When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. The draft is only a few weeks away, so Labs, we're all very gracious of you to break away from the war room for a little bit to answer these questions from Steelers Nation. I know you're needed in there right now with things, you know, getting down to the deadline, but we really do appreciate it. Yeah, I know. I, I it, it is kind of taxing putting the board together, you know, and, but I do try and share my wealth of knowledge. You know, what I, what I do is I just, <clears throat> based on the questions that I get from fans, that's my input. You know, I'll say, you know, Joe from Texarkanis thinks that, you know, we should trade the top three picks to move up, our top three picks to move up and pick, you know, another quarterback. And why, then Mike Tomlin kicks you out of the room after that. <laughs> Labs, get out of after here. He, after he kicks me in the butt. <clears throat> well, our first question today comes from Matthew Comfer from Salem, Ohio, and it is a quarterback question because he asks, with the Steelers typically bringing four quarterbacks to training camp, do you believe we'll sign two young guys, or do you believe they'll sign one veteran and one young guy? Okay. Um, no, it's pretty much confirmed um, by Art Rooney the second and Mike Tomlin that Mitch Trubisky will return as the backup to Kenny Pickett. Okay, so that's the top two rungs on the quarterback depth chart right there. Um, now, you, you the Steelers, I believe, are still going to keep three. That's kind of been the the uh, the policy. So let's assume I'm going to assume that that's still going to be the case. So with if you want three uh, by the start of September, when you get down to the 53 man roster, you usually have four uh, throughout the offseason program, training camp, and the preseason because you know you just don't you don't want to wear out either of the guys on the top two rungs of the depth chart overthrowing, you know, at all the OTAs or, um, you know, mini camp, all, all that kind of stuff. You, you just don't want to wear anybody out. And during um, training camp, too, with all the different drills that are going on on the different fields, a lot of them require a quarterback to be throwing the ball. So uh, having forearms is, is, I would say, mandatory. Okay. So how are they going to, uh, the question is, how are they going to get add the last two guys? <clears throat> um, you know, I, I don't. I think that the least likely 
possibility it would be a draft pick. Again, the Steelers don't have that many draft picks. Um, and so I think that they would try and use them on other positions. Uh, then there's undrafted rookies. You know, they're, they're, they could add one there, and I expect that they would add one there. And then another, the other avenue would be, you know, after the draft, after um, um, unre- uh, the unsigned, undrafted rookies get signed, you know, then th- there still might be some quote-unquote veteran, NFL veterans, uh, without a team. And at that point, you know, those guys are going to be pretty much looking for a seat, you know, before the music stops. Otherwise, they get bounced out on the musical chairs game. So um, I, I would think those would be the most likely uh, avenues they would explore to add the last two quarterbacks on the depth chart. Like I said on uh, the last Asked and Answered episode, and I'll, I'll keep saying when this comes up, Joe Flacco, still out there. Just just throwing it out there, Steelers Nation. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep, keep saying that, and I hope that, you know, what happens to me when I'm in the draft room setting the board happens to you uh, the next time you suggest that in, you know, polite company. James Gilman from Rochester, New York, asks, the Steelers have three West Coast games next season. If two are back-to-back, would it be wise for them to stay out there instead of traveling back and forth? Okay, you know, there's a whole lot more to this than just the travel, okay? Because on a um, a regular road trip, you know, the Steelers take a, a, a big, big trip uh, plane and it's filled players coaches support staff etc you know you have trainers you have video guys you have all of that stuff now to stay you know for an, a whole week would require you know not only those people but a lot more equipment you know you would need you know for example the equipment guys for a um uh, just a regular road trip game the amount of stuff that they need to bring for that would be just a fraction of what they might need if they're staying for a whole week of practice. The other thing to consider is where are you going to practice? Because this would be in the fall, and I would imagine, you know, you're saying two games on the West Coast, where could they practice? Because any facility that would be capable you know, of housing an NFL team for all of its meetings and practices, having a field space, you know, all that stuff, I would imagine would be you being utilized by other programs, you know, or other NFL teams or whatever. So, you know, I just don't know how feasible that is in terms of all of the logistics that would have to be set up, that would have to be you know, NFL caliber, all of that stuff. You know, you need a, a kitchen to cook all these right. meals. Um, maybe you get it done at a hotel. Uh, maybe not. You know, again, there's just a lot of logistics that are involved in this beyond just the travel back and forth. I'm not saying it can't happen or it won't happen, but it's not as simple um, as people may think or it may sound just in, you know, conversation. Now, my time with the team, I recall Chuck Knoll taking uh, the team to the West Coast early on a couple of occasions, you know, a few days. Uh, I think uh, the one year might have been 1972 
before the uh, regular season finale against the San Diego Chargers um, when the Steelers had the opportunity to clinch the first division title in franchise history. You know, they were in Palm Springs for a while. That was when Frank Sinatra came and went to camp, you know, was inducted into the Franco's Italian Army and all that stuff. But they weren't out there, you know, for the – they didn't stay from the previous week through that week. You know, they just went early. So I, I, I don't ever recall uh, the Steelers doing that, you know, finding a place, going out for a game, finding a place to stay for the week in between and then staying there practicing and then playing another game. You'd have to imagine that the players would just not want to do that either. Or the coaching staff, you know, a four-hour flight from the West Coast to the East Coast is worth it to get to stay in your apartment bed, go to your own facility the next day. I feel like you'd have some pushback from the team on that one. Well, and again, I mean, all of the stuff that is every coach, what they have in their office. Yeah, right. Now, I understand a lot of it is digital now, and you know, but then the video guys, the IT people, there's a lot of hookup and stuff that they would have to do because, you know, there's just, just as an example, when the Steelers moved to St. Vincent College for training camp, the IT people are out there a week before. Right. Hooking up all the rooms and... You know, uh, all the coaches' rooms, their computers, all Hooking of that stuff. up your stuff. plasma screen TV. <laughs> right, yeah. The important And my yes. uh, surround sound right. for my music because, you know, i got to have my jams. <laughs> otherwise, I can't, I can't write ask an answer. Priorities, absolutely. Steve Samick from St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. On draft day, when trades are made, does Steelers president Art Rooney II have to approve the trade, or can coach Mike Tomlin and or general manager Omar Khan make the deal? It sometimes appears that the trades happen quickly. Um, you know, I've, I've said this before. I'll, I'll continue to emphasize this. Uh, within the Steelers organization, neither the general manager nor the head coach has complete authority during the three days of the NFL draft. That's not the way things work. So... Uh, you know, a simple answer, yes, Art Rooney II would have to approve the trade or, you know, they would at least have to run it by him. This is not something that is done, and then he is informed about it after the fact. It just doesn't work that way. Brent Crossman from Payton City, West Virginia. I have been watching Steeler games from the 1978-79 seasons on YouTube as of late. Some of these games have Jack Fleming and Myron Cope dubbed in for the announcing. The play-by-play by Fleming and color commentary by Cope are second to none. How many years did these two guys work together broadcasting Steelers games on the radio? Um, Jack Fleming's tenure with the Steelers began on the radio, began in 1965. Uh, He continued in that role through the 1993 season. Uh, Myron Cope debuted as the color, color commentator in 1970. So that means Cope and Fleming were a team from 1970 through the 1993 season. Randy Pickrell from Englewood, Ohio. I was looking at the 1979 Steelers highlight video, per your suggestion, and got to wondering how many of the players on that team ever made the Pro Bowl. Then I wondered how many different Steelers players made the Pro Bowl from 1974 season to the 1979 season. We all know the great names, but what about the lesser-known but still very good players this team drafted? Okay, on those um, 70s Steelers championship teams, uh, there were uh, 10 
Hall of Fame player, 10 players who eventually made the Hall of Fame, <laughs> all of whom won four Super Bowls. Uh, those 10, Joe Green, Franco Harris, Jack Ham, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Mike Webster, and Donnie Schell. That's your 10 Hall of Famers. Uh, but between the 74 and 79 seasons, uh, I'm going to give you the list of non-Hall of Fame players, uh, non-Hall of Fame Steelers, who were voted to the Pro Bowl because obviously, you know, the guys who went into the Hall of Fame made a couple of Pro Bowls, uh, too, on the way during the 70s. Okay, these are the non- This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. Hall of Fame guys, Pro Bowls. Andy Russell, Roy Jarella, which shocked me a little bit, Glenn Edwards, Mike Wagner, J.T. Thomas, and L.C. Greenwood. Ron Prolika, sorry, Ron, from Charlotte, North Carolina, asks, It was Sunday, October 21st, 2001, and my wife and I were married the day before in Tampa. The Steelers were in town to play the Rising Bucks under Coach Tony Dungy, and we had tickets. We couldn't wait to see the game, but we got roped into doing a wedding (laughs) present opening by our families instead of going. My wife's brother and uncle very much enjoyed our gift to them. If memory serves, the Steelers pulled off the upset, but I have no idea how. Could you share a few highlights? Wow. Sorry, sorry to hear about that, Ron, and um, <laughs> my condolences for the wedding present opening that you had to attend. I'm sure there was uh, okay, enough back- cash in that opening that made it worthwhile somewhat, but, yeah, that's a tough one to swallow. So how was your wedding present opening? Uh, Very party? green. Very Filled green. with money. Did you do that? Oh, we didn't have a present opening party, no. We did that behind closed doors, just my wife and myself, after the wedding was over. People don't want to see us dancing around the fireplace like Ewoks (laughs) and Star Wars with all the money we got. (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, like, you know, doing the, you know, throwing it on the bed and rolling around on (laughs) it. Scrooge McDuck, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so the 2001 Buccaneers, Ron, described them as rising. And, you know, at that time, uh, Tampa Bay was in a place in its history where the team regularly was the darling of the preseason prognosticators, uh, but then they would ultimately seem to find a way to come up short in the playoffs. So in 2001, the Steelers were coming off their three straight seasons without making the playoffs, 98, 99, and 2000. 
So it, for that game, it was still relatively early in the season, as uh, Ron mentions, you know, mid-October. Um, the Steelers were considered underdogs against the rising Buccaneers in Tampa. Uh, but the Steelers went down there and smacked the Buccaneers around physically all day, all day. I mean, Jerome Bettis ran for 143 yards on 17 carries, scored on a 46-yard touchdown run. Mm. Uh, in that game, the Steelers rushed for 220 yards on the ground. They averaged 6.3 yards per attempt. On defense, they sacked Buccaneers quarterback Brad Johnson 10 times. <laughs> Warwick, Warwick Dunn, who was the Buccaneers' primary running back at the time, he, he was held to 31 yards rushing on 13 carries. Okay, so after the game, um, I remember being there, and we're all standing uh, outside the Steeler locker room as the team's filing up, coming off the field, and we're waiting to get in, you know, to do the interviews. And Lee Flowers, who a safety at the time, who was extremely um, personable, and not shy about speaking his mind. Loquacious, I guess, is a good word to describe <laughs> Lee Flowers. So he's going on and on and on. He's calling Tampa Bay paper champions because paper champions meant that on paper, you know, they were always picked to be great, and we just came down here and smacked them around uh, like, uh, you know, that uh, the donkey that, you know, nobody wants to keep. <laughs> so, um, paper champions, paper champions. Oh, and let me t let me just this is that little sidelight. Uh, Two thousand and one, the defensive backs coach for the Buccaneers was a guy named Mike Tom, huh. who bright future in uh, in his uh, path. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember early on in his Steelers career, I made the mistake of asking him what he remembered about the paper champions game. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he would never yell at me or anything, but you know, the look you get when oh, yes. you said something stupid, I got the look. Um, so apparently that's a sore subject remaining um, um, with anyone from the Buccaneers who had anything to do with that game. Uh, because as I mentioned, it was a physical ass beat. And um, it was only 17-10 was the final, but the Buccaneers' only touchdown came with 28 seconds remaining in the game. It was a, oh, by the way, you know, kind of situation. Paper champions game, though, that's that will live on in Steelers lore probably for a lot longer than um, the 21 years it has lived so long. Wonder what the Monday morning was like for Brad Johnson waking up after getting sacked ten times in that game. I'm sure the uh, the well, right shoulder was still on the left side of the bed when he rolled over. <laughs> and um, you know there wasn't. I won't say that was. Let me just put it this way: that was pre-player safety initiative. So those were ten hard sacks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Philip Turner from Warner Robins, Georgia. My question is about the jersey numbers the Steelers have retired. I've seen a few ask about it and haven't seen anyone mention number 70, Ernie Stotner's number. Wasn't his number the first one the Steelers retired? Yes, it was. And I'm going to give you a little, a few details about each of those games to show um, the, how not only the franchise has evolved, but how f the significance of retiring a jersey 
by the franchise has evolved. Uh, now, as Philip um, mentions, Ernie Stautner's was the first jersey retired, number 70. It happened at halftime of a game against the Eagles, uh, October 25th, 1964 at Pitt Stadium. Um, and, you know, the players were so electrified and bolstered by the halftime ceremony that they went out and lost the game 34 to 10. <laughs> and there were 38,393 people there, which was a little more than half. Um, okay, Joe Green's number 75, that was the second one retired. That happened at halftime of a game against the Ravens on November 2000, November 2nd, 2014 at Heinz Field. The Steelers won that game 43-23. There were 63,971 people there. Franco Harris's number 32 was retired at halftime of a game against the Raiders last Christmas Eve at Acreshire Stadium uh, on an evening that uh, I don't even know if polar bears were, were comfortable yeah, They were in their night. cave with their scarves on. <laughs> Um, the Steelers won that game 13-10. to 10. Uh, The paid attendance was 64,761. So, you know, you get an idea now of how much more significant these ceremonies are in terms of how they're viewed by the fans and in the way that they mo- seem to motivate uh, the team to perform in a way that honors uh, the caliber of the player who is being having his um, – Number retired. And our final question today comes from Barry Patterson from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Considering the amount of time, energy, and money spent on scouting the soon-to-be draft picks, will the NFL ever be inclined to add more people to the game day rosters into the practice squad? It seems each year the same people barely miss and are brought back. Um, you know, this adding to the roster... Uh, things is, is a popular position for a lot of fans. But, you know, my my view of it is that if the players or the union or NFL management shared the opinion that this was an important thing to do, then I believe the size of the rosters on game day uh, would be increased. Um, but, you know, it's it's a situation where if you look at the salary cap, as the as a pie that you know is being put in the middle of the table at dinner time and there's so the more people sitting around the table at dinner um the the smaller pieces of the pie you get each person gets so you know that's kind of the way that you can can view the nfl situation in terms of you know players on the roster because 53 players on the roster, the salary cap is whatever, uh, divided up. Uh, you add, if you would have 75 players on the roster, uh, the salary cap isn't going to be any more. And so dividing it up, everybody gets a smaller piece. So, you know, there's a lot of interest or talk about these kinds of things. But, you know, once they get down to the nitty-gritty, the dollars and cents, a lot of times... The players in the union, they're not interested in uh, getting the smaller piece of the pie. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why there's not a whole lot of um, momentum for expanding the rosters. Now, I'm going to explain now one last time about why 
uh, the size of the rosters on game days do not include all 53 players on the active roster. It's a competitive issue. That's, that's the belief. Because it's very rare when any team has all 53 of its players healthy enough to play in a game. So then what ends up happening, if all players on the roster are, are eligible for a game, more often than not, the game will be between a team that has more healthy players than its opponent. And so that's a fairness issue. And so the way that it was decided to try and mitigate this, it was that if you had six or seven players at inactive from the 53-man roster uh, for game days, then you would have a much better chance of both teams having the same number of availability uh, for the game in terms of just numbers. So um, that's, that's the reason behind that. Now, 53 people on the roster, okay? There's now 16 players on each team's practice squad. That was what it was in 2022. So that means a team was in control to some degree of 69 players each week of the regular season last year. 69 times 33 is 2,208 players. That's enough, I think. I'm just grateful that you did the math there at the end and didn't rely on me. There's no way I was going to figure that out. I was scrambling to get my calculator app open. Thank God you, you covered for me. That's all we got for you today here on Asked and Answered. We do always appreciate you sending in your questions. If you'd like to hear yourself on a future episode, get those questions into labs now, and maybe you'll be one of the lucky few that gets chosen. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you guys next week on Asked and Answered. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.